take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number, chapter number 12. Genesis, chapter number 12. We're going to verses 1 through 5 to get started. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah's wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten into Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan, they came. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'd bless the preaching of your word this morning. Again, I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind the pulpit and to preach the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that this morning that you'd use me, that you would guide and direct each and every word that I say that would bring honor and glory to you. I pray, Lord, for each person that's here or those that might be tuning in on the live stream that you'd use the preaching of the word, and that you, Holy Spirit, would just draw each person closer to you. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here or someone watching, that if they've never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray that that reality would just be that it would become real. They would understand this morning that Christ is our only hope. And he came to this world to die on an old rugged cross and to save us from our sin save us from our iniquity, to give us eternal life, to have our sins forgiven, to give us an abundant life, a life of joy and a life of peace. So bless the preaching this morning. Please use me despite my own faults and my own failures, my own weaknesses. For we ask all this now in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you're my age or about my age, you see the title of this message. You probably remember from many years ago, there was a film that there was a science fiction film with a title similar to this. And uh, I have to admit to you, I was thinking about that. I'm not a big science fiction fan, but, um, you know, these science fiction movies of, of uh, meeting people from outer space and, and all that kind of stuff. Some people like that, some people don't. But I kind of took a different twist on it, and uh, that's the title this morning to the message, Close Encounters of a Godly Kind. And I want you to think about that this morning, that God wants to have an encounter with you. In fact, this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's already had an encounter with you, Amen. And so I want you to think from that point of view. But notice on your handout just a few words of, of introduction. So I wrote there for you, there, there are times in the lives of individuals, you and I, you and me, that God meets with us face to face. 
And often, for most of us, these encounters come suddenly and they come unexpectedly. These encounters are not exclusively to bring us to the saving knowledge of Christ, but once having had these encounters and responding biblically, God at different times, specific times, meets with us in a personal way. And why is that? He does that to reveal to reveal his will for our lives. So this morning, as we have gathered this morning, I believe with all my heart that right now God wants to meet with you. That's why you're here this morning. And all throughout the Bible, there are examples of God's meeting with people. I was reading through uh, Luke chapter 19 this past week. And in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is in Jericho. And when he's in Jericho, there is a, there's a man there in Jericho who's a tax collector. And um, Jesus is going to have an encounter with this man. By the way, if, if you're my grandson, Eli, he has an interesting take on this particular story in Luke chapter 19. And I think it's because his father... Uh, enjoys coffee. Aaron loves his coffee. And that is why uh, Aaron, if you know Aaron, you know that Aaron's favorite book in the Bible, and this is no lie, is the book of Hebrews. Because that's how you know that God loves coffee as well. He brews. Amen? <clears throat> but anyhow, Eli, had they've been teaching Eli this story. And and so Eli, you know, the story goes this way if you don't know it. So Jesus walks into Jericho, and there's a man there called Zacchaeus. But Eli tells the story, his name's not Zacchaeus, his name is Caffeinus. I know. So Caffeinus, but in, in the biblical account, it's Zacchaeus. And I was reading that, and Zacchaeus he's going to have an encounter with God. Now, to the best of my knowledge, Jesus and Zacchaeus have never met. And as I was rereading that this week, I, I, I'm sure I've thought of it before, but there is Zacchaeus. He hears that Jesus is coming. And by now, the public ministry of Jesus is expanding, and Zacchaeus wants to see this Jesus. And as Jesus walks through the street, Zacchaeus climbs up into a tree. And Jesus turns to him. And by name, he calls him. Zacchaeus, you come down, for salvation is coming to your house today. It's the meeting that Jesus has with Zacchaeus. And those types of meetings have happened in all of our lives. There's a Zacchaeus moment in your life if you know Christ as your Savior. And just as Jesus knew the name of Zacchaeus, he knows all about you as well. He knows the Bible says he knows your very thoughts. He knows the very numbers of hairs upon your head. It's amazing. And we find here in the life of Abraham, really the pattern for this is established way back in the book of Genesis. And we see in the life of, you know, in the Bible, Abraham is called, he's called the father of our faith. 
He's also called a friend of God. That's a good title to have, amen? To be called the friend of God. But we see, the, we, we see a pattern in Abraham's life, and we see it all through the Bible in people like Zacchaeus and others. And we see God encountering people and drawing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But then after we've accepted him, then working in our lives and meeting with us on a regular basis. And we should be thankful for that. So I really just have three simple points to the message this morning. And the, and the first point, as you notice on your handout, is this. That God always takes the initiative in our lives. It's God that takes the initiative. Now it's true that Zacchaeus, for instance, wanted to see Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. But the initiative to the encounter is Jesus calling Zacchaeus and saying, Zacchaeus, you come. You come. In Abraham's life, it was the same. So notice in your Bible, chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram. Now at this particular time, Abram is called Abram, not Abraham, which means the father of many, Abram. But Abram has not had any children yet. And God's going to make promise to him. We'll talk about that later. But God takes the initiative. And he says to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. It reminds us that God contacted Abram, and spoke with Abram, and gave Abram instruction. Now look on your handout. I have here so we didn't have to turn for it, or to it this morning. Acts chapter 7. If you want to turn in your Bibles, go ahead. But I have the scriptures all written out. Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. So what I just read to you out of Genesis, that is taking place 2,000 years before what we're about to read in Acts chapter number 7. In Acts chapter number 7, it's Stephen. And Stephen is going to preach a sermon. And uh, he's going to preach this sermon 2,000 years after the event that we just read in Genesis chapter 12. I always find that sometimes just something to remind us about because I think sometimes we think, well, the Bible was all written in just a short period of time. But we're reminded that the Bible was written over about 1,500 years by about 40 different authors. God used them, inspired them to write the Word of God. So while this morning we look back to a message that Stephen preached 2,000 years ago, Stephen was preaching a message to people there that had taken place 2,000 years before that. So it's a time of, when we read the Word of God and instructed by the Word of God, we're putting faith in what God said and what God did. So Stephen here is reminding his listeners of what I read to you out of chapter 12. So look what he says here. Because it actually gives us a clearer understanding of when God made first contact with Abram. So, just to set this up, the previous chapter, Stephen is about to preach. He's going to give a history in chapter 7 of the Jewish people. But opposition in chapter 6 has arisen. And they're angry with Stephen. There's groups called the Libertines, and the Cyrenians, and the Alexandrians. And they don't like Stephen. And they don't like the message that he's going to preach. But he stands up and he preaches anyhow. And he starts the message this way. 
Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he, that would be Stephen, said, Men, brethren, fathers, hearken! The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. So if you notice there, it's highlighted. So another, we picked the story up in chapter 12 of Genesis. But before that, before they ever got there, back in Mesopotamia, God has spoken to Abram. Abram's faith has been being developed here. God had initiated contact with Abram. God always takes the initiative. He wants to take the initiative with you right now. He's trying to speak to your heart right now. And then it goes on to say this in Acts chapter number 7. And he said unto him, Get out of thy country and from thy kindred and, from, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt thereon. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. So in other words, he went from Mesopotamia, he went to Haran, and then he went to Israel, Palestine. And he gave him no inheritance in it, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for possession and to his seed after him. And when as yet he had no child. He begins to tell Abram what he's going to do in Abram's life. But he takes the initiative. And I want to tell you this morning as we've gathered here, whether it's in Sunday school, the morning worship service, we gather on Wednesdays, some of us gather to pray on Fridays, your devotional life during the week, you kids, when you're off to school, you that are off to work, you that are at home, some of you are homeschooling in your social life. Listen, there are different events and different times and different moments that God wants to meet with you and speak with you and take an initiative and guide and direct you. That's the wonderful thing about knowing the one true living God. Amen? It's just not a, it's not a, with God, it's not a Sunday morning experience. It's a Monday morning and Tuesday morning and right throughout the week. He just wants you to experience him and experience that relationship. And you never know where God's going to take that first initial step. I was sharing my wife's testimony with someone this past week and, and um, one of the first times that God initiated contact with her as a little girl who was in school during the Christmas season when they were singing Christmas carols. And I don't know if you can still do this in public school or not, but then you could sing Christmas carols that actually talked about Jesus. And she remembers hearing about Jesus and, and going home and asking her parents, who, who were, were not believers, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? God used that moment to initiate a contact in her young heart. You never know what God's going to do that and how God's going to do that. But if you think about your life and how you came to know Christ as your Savior, there was at some moment and at some time that God presented himself and was drawing you to him. And it may be this morning that you're here and you've never received Christ as your Savior, that 
That's exactly what Jesus is trying to do this morning. Or maybe you're watching on the live stream from home this morning, and you're not a believer, but, but this morning you're, you're just sensing God is drawing you to Him. It's always the way God has done it. So, so Stephen preaches this sermon, and at the end of this, he goes right down the entire history in, in Acts chapter 7, uh, beginning here with Abraham, and we don't have time, but if you were to go to Acts chapter 7, he, he talks about Isaac and Jacob, he talks about Moses, and he goes right down to Jesus, and he preaches to them Jesus as the Messiah, as the one who has come, and they are furious with Stephen. They are so furious after he's done preaching that they pick up stones and they stone Stephen to death. He's the first martyr. But notice something interesting on your handout at the bottom of the first page. The very end of chapter 7. This is the scene. Then they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears. They didn't want to hear what Stephen had to say. And they ran upon him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet. What are those last four words? Will you read them out loud? Yeah. Saul would go on to be the Apostle Paul. Perhaps this is really Paul's first initial encounter. There he is. He is holding the clothes. He's not a believer. In fact, Saul would arrest Christians, imprison them, have them put to death. And here he is. He has just listened to this entire sermon that Stephen preached. He has just watched this man stoned to death for the cause of Christ. He's holding the people's clothing. And yet God makes contact with him. God can make contact with you anywhere. Amen? And he does. And Paul would go on to be used of God in just such a mighty way. So God always takes the initiative. He took it with Abraham. But then Point number two on your handout is this, that God explains to us the outcome of our faith when he takes the initiative. And he did that with Abraham. Look what it says in verses two, and verse, or actually the end of first, uh, verse one, and then verses two and three. After he says, get out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, he says, unto a land that I will show thee. Now let me just stop here first. He never does tell Abram exactly where that land is. But he does say, listen, you're just going to have to trust me by faith. I'm bringing you to a land, and, and I'll show you what that land is. But then he goes on and he explains a little bit more here, verses 2 and 3. He says, listen, Abram, I've made contact with you because I'm going to make of thee a great nation. And I'm going to bless thee, and I'm going to make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
Wow. That's what God does in these encounters. First, we come to know him as our Savior. But then, as we continue to have encounter after encounter with the Lord, he just builds upon our faith. He shows us the next step. He, he explains to us the next step. In a book that I've read before, I'm actually rereading the, the book right now uh, by a man by the name of Henry uh, Blackaby entitled, Created to be God's Friend. He says this, A growing faith is when God systematically reveals himself and then we believe in him. It's just a simple phrase, but that's exactly what happened in the life of Abram. God systematically, day in and day out, week in and week out, event in and event out, systematically met with Abram and reveals himself and his plan for Abram's life. And he tells Abram what he's going to do here. He explains what the outcome will be if Abram will just follow him by faith. And that's how God's word works. And that's how the promises of God's word work. He explains some things, some, some verses in the Bible. For instance, in Isaiah chapter 26, in verse 3. Many of you know this verse. God will keep him in perfect what? Peace. God will give him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee, who trusteth in thee. So that's a promise from God. That God now God doesn't, in, in the promises, because we see this throughout the scripture, it doesn't mean that necessarily in all the, the circumstances around us are going to be peaceful. But there's some promises that God gives us when we know the Lord that despite the fact that there may even be turmoil all around us, that if we'll keep our mind fixed upon the Lord, he'll give us the peace that passeth all understanding. And we trust him for that. And sometimes, listen, those circumstances, that turmoil and those trials, God is using those to take the initiative in our life, meeting with us, and then developing and growing our faith in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. There's always the promise. There's a condition to the promise, but then there is the expectation. We'll just follow God's word. On your handout, I have here Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, also written about 2,000 years after the event in Genesis chapter 12. And it is the Apostle Paul. And uh, if you've been with us, as Pastor Ethan's been preaching the book of Romans on Sunday morning, we went through chapter 4. And chapter 4 in the book of Romans is the chapter on how we are, we are justified by faith and not by works. In other words, you, no, one, no one gets saved. No one goes to heaven by being a good person. Because none of us can be good enough to get to heaven. Amen? Only one, and that was Jesus Christ. That's why he went to the cross. So we can't, be, we can't be saved by the works of righteousness. Not by works of righteousness, which I have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Ephesians says, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. 
And so Paul takes chapter 4 and he, and, he, and he writes there to the church in Rome and he tells them and reminds them that no man is justified by their works. We're only justified by the works of Jesus Christ. But he uses Abram as an example. And that is why Abram is often called the father of our faith. Because it says of Abram that he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He just believed what God said and he applied it to his life. He didn't think that he, that he could be justified through his actions in before God. And so just quickly notice on your handout these verses. Paul writes, as it is written, I've made thee the father of many nations. So we're in my first point with Stephen talking about Genesis chapter 12. Here it's Paul talking about Genesis chapter 12. I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who, and he's speaking about Abram, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. What is he talking about? So Abram is told and promised that he would be the father of many nations. He was 75 years old and still had not had any children. It would be another uh, 15 years after that that God would promise to Abraham and Sarah, whose womb was dead, that they would have a child. It would be 10 years after that that Sarah would give birth to her son Isaac. From a logical point of view, there was no reason, no earthly reason, that Sarah should ever have a child. It just shouldn't have happened. But Abraham was a man of faith. And Abraham was a man of faith because God had originally made contact with him in Mesopotamia and then continued in his life. And Abraham walked with God and he believed God. He didn't know how God was going to do this, but God was going to do this. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. And he went on to say this, so shall thy seed be. Being not weak in faith, he considered on his own body. He was old, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now this last verse is some of my favorite verses in the Bible. He staggered not at promises of God through unbelief. He just believed God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. God had laid it all out for him. God had explained what was going to take place. Now what Abraham needed to do was put his trust in God. And that brings us to the last point. God awaits our response. He awaits our response. Look at verses 4 and 5. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken. Okay, God, God gives him instruction in verses 1 through 3. Tells him what he's going to do. Tells him what's going to happen. And the Bible says, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all substance 
that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten into Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. You see, when God makes initial contact with us, or after initial contact, as we begin to go in the faith, and He lays out His plan for our lives, He then awaits for you and I to respond to that. What a person does when encountered by God is what a person believes about God. Abram believed God. Now when Sarah was told she was going to have a child, those of you that have remembered that, if you remember what Sarah did, she laughed. She thought it was the funniest thing in the world. She just didn't, and the Lord knew, and the Lord says to Sarah, why are you laughing? I think sometimes in our own lives when we're up against it and we're, we, we want to put our trust in, in God and somebody might even come along and, and try to encourage us and maybe we don't laugh out loud but we say, yeah, well, God's just not going to do that. And maybe God would say to each of us, well, why are you doubting? Why are you doubting? It would be this same text in Genesis that we would read further that the scripture would say, is anything too hard for God? And God waits, waited on the response. In the book of Hebrews, on your handout, again, an account of this. So we find in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And that's what God awaits for you and I, just to obey Him. He obeyed and He went out, not knowing whither He went. Remember, God said, I'm going to show you a country, a land, but He didn't tell him where that land was. Abraham just went. He didn't know where he was going, but God told him to go. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, what we can learn from Abraham's life is Abraham was constantly anticipating a fresh encounter with God. I wonder if that's you and me. Are we constantly anticipating day by day and with each passing moment a fresh encounter with God? We know the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That's how Abraham lived. That's how God wants for you and I to live. So I finish with this conclusion at the end here where I say this. Why is it some people have more encounters with God than others? And for some people... For some, it seems, maybe the last encounter they sensed they had with God was when they got saved. But I want to tell you, it's not. Oh, no, 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 no. If you're a child of God, if you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior at some point in your life, and if it was a genuine conversion, and, 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 and you took Jesus and claimed him, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, that God's been trying to get your attention right along from that day moment, from that moment on. God, each and every day, wants to spend time with you and talk with you and have an encounter with you. The challenge is, are we listening? Are we listening for God to speak to us? 
There are so many different voices in the world. So many things to draw our attention away from the voice of God. So many reasons not to put us in a place where we can listen. Be careful that the noise of this world isn't drowning out the voice of God in your life. Don't let apathy drown out the voice of the Lord or some type of discouragement. We're our own self-will, we, we just decide we're going to go ahead and, and, and yes, we may have at some point in time, we've called upon Jesus to be our Savior, but we kind of left him back there at the cross and we've just decided to move on without him. Oh, it's not that we forgot about him. It's not that we don't even sometimes think about him. But are we listening for him to guide and direct our steps each day? We get, life gets busy. We go to work. We have, when you're younger, you're raising children and there's school and there's the sport activity and, and, and all of these things, none of which are necessarily bad or wrong, but life just gets busy, doesn't it? And we just need a time where we can just step aside and just let the still, small voice of God speak to our hearts and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And so I kind of challenge you this morning, do you have that sense in your own life? Or maybe you're just sensing, maybe you're even right now, God is saying, you know, you are, you are kind of busy. Why don't you slow down a little bit? Why don't you just listen to what God's got to say? Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight shall be in the law of the Lord, and in it he shall meditate both day and night. Why do we gather on Sundays? It's an oasis in the week to, get, to block out all the cares of life and just allow Pastor Ethan to preach and the Sunday school teachers to teach and the musicians to play and for us to lift up our voices and sing and to just kind of allow the Holy Spirit to just take all the stuff that kind of like barnacles builds up in our life all week and just clean them out and start afresh and to start anew. Amen? And God wants to do that. So come, let me challenge you this way too. Come, come prepared for that. Come prepared that God will do that in your life. Let God speak to you. The last verse that I had here is out of the book of Revelation on your handout. Behold, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Every day I think he's knocking. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Not that he's not knocking. It's just that we're, we're not answering the door. We're not answering the door. Open the door and just each and every day have an encounter with God. Let him speak to you through the word, through prayer, through the music in your life, through your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Just a moment, the musicians are going to come. We're going to sing and just think about the words that we're going to sing. And also, we'll think about the message, the Word of God.
And first, if you're here this morning or you're watching on the live stream and you have never asked Jesus to be your Savior, that's the initial contact that God makes. Where God says to you, listen, I, first of all, he says, I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish by everlasting life. God says to you, I don't, I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, I love you. And I sent my son Jesus Christ to die on an old rugged cross, a cruel cross. And all of your sin and all of the sin of the world was placed upon my son. And he could pay for your sin because he was the sinless one, the righteous one, the holy one. And some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ did that. He knows your name, just like he knows Zacchaeus' name, just like he knew the name of Abram. He knows your thoughts, your heartache, your needs, your desires. He knows all about you. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, literally right where you sit, if you believe, as the Bible teaches, that you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're born into the world this way. If you believe that, if you believe that Jesus came to die and pay for your sin, and you've never called upon him to be your Savior, Whosoever, the Bible says, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. You have to acknowledge your sin. You have to believe Jesus paid the penalty for your sin because you can't earn it. Put your trust in him. Have that encounter right here and now. But if you've already done that, let God speak to your heart, not only now, but each and every day. Say, Lord, I need those encounters fresh and anew and help me to be listening help me to block out the cares of the world and to hear that still small voice the knock at my heart's door father bless now as we finish the service with this music draw each of us closer to you in jesus name amen father we thank you so much that you've reached your hand down to us that yes. you've offered us your free gift of salvation amen. God, we thank you that you walk with us day by day, that you lead us. Yes. That no matter what difficulty or trial we face, you're there walking right beside us. Amen. God, we pray that we'd thank go you. today, that as we leave, that we would meditate on these thoughts throughout the week. I pray, God, if, if someone in here doesn't know you as their Savior, that today would be the day they would their faith in you. Yes. In Jesus' right. name, amen. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.